If you were to create and host a podcast, what would your podcast be about? If you were to have lunch with anyone in the world, who would it be? What about your definition of success? Do you have one? Welcome to the Pop Smoke Show where we connect and learn with veteran artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Matt Pagan, and in today's episode, episode 38, we feature Tack Lowe. Tack served in the Army as a specialist and as an MBA from the London Business School. Currently, this husband, father, and triathlete is transitioning from Techstars London to Hong Kong. I met Tack at Techstars Patriot Boot Camp in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. This is an awesome episode. I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm certain you'll enjoy this episode. Without further ado, Tack Lowe, are you ready to pop smoke? Let's pop smoke. Awesome. Hey, so um, speaking of the Techstars Patriot Boot Camp event that we were at in Chapel Hill, how did you prepare for that event? You gave a presentation at that event. What are some of the things that went through your head on preparing for that for that talk? Yeah, so um, I think it was um, I think it was about two months ago, uh, two or three months ago in Chapel Hill, and you know honestly, like the way I prepared for that particular event was to think back when I went through uh, Patriot Boot Camp and what are some of the things I wish I had known after I ended the uh, the three day event, and so there was so much learning within the three days. Uh, Friday, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and so I wanted to kind of dial back and say, if I were a veteran transitioning, what would I want to hear? And two, what would I want to hear knowing that I've completed it? And three, I think, you know, what I would want to hear now that I'm this in this stage of my career within with Texars and, and, and within the startup ecosystem. So those are some of the three things that I want to keep in my head when I wrote that presentation. Got it. Now, I remember you saying something about, uh, the email, like reaching out to people on email. And I remember I, I, I had a different uh, perspective on, um, your email. I think it was about the ask. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to have the ask in the beginning mm -hmm. or the, the end of an email, mm -hmm. uh, what, what was it? Um, just to refresh yeah. my memory. And yeah. So in the presentation, I, I, um, I suggested everyone actually write emails asking, uh, whoever they met, uh, during Patriot bootcamp, um, and request and ask. I think it's really important, especially the people that go to Patriot Bootcamp, especially the mentors that volunteer the time, they really want to help. Um, and so it's it's okay to ask, I think. So we talked about the email, we talked about- um, But your recommendation one, on like putting it in the beginning? Putting in the beginning, putting in the okay. beginning. Because a lot of times like people won't, um, people won't be able, like people that open up the email won't be able to read or won't want to read all the way to the end and get to the ask. So the most important thing is to put the ask up in front and that way people know how they can help. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good point. I'm a big fan of putting the ask on the, at the end being that, uh, you know, uh, it's one of the, it's, it's like a last impression and, and, and it's easy to find what you're looking for. So if you have the ask, you know, in the middle or the beginning, it, it sometimes gets lost where I'm just a kind of a fan. I'm making it the last thing. It's like the call to action. Yeah. It's yeah. like having a call to action at the end. Hey, boom. I don't know. So I yeah. don't know. Just to I'm the, more direct. I'm yeah. more direct. You're you getting right to it. Hey, I don't want to yeah. waste your time. If this That's doesn't right. even apply to you, then boom. That's right. Yeah. So the thing is like, I, I send out emails to people that I know already. Right. So I was just say, Hey, 
you know, this is my ask. I mean, you know, we can go to the the other kind of fluff and some of the other stuff, but Got it. this is kind of what I'm thinking about first and the rest of the conversation kind of drives from there. Got it. What about, uh, why did you leave uh, Techstars London? So I'm moving out of London. Um, so it was totally a family decision. Um, I just had a young daughter and um, baby mama basically just said we want to move back to family. Um, so yeah, so- Where's your family at? So my wife's family is is in uh, in Hong Kong, Korea. My family's in Vancouver. Um, so, look, you got to take care of family. She said, "I can't raise a kid here with just us. We got to move closer to family." So that's kind of what we did. So that was about um, a decision we made about a year ago. And then uh, after Texas uh, ended, the London program ended about two weeks ago. I popped smoke and and said, "I'm." Nice. I'm going to Asia. So I'll cool. be leading the, uh, the Asian negotiations and discussions, um, from there for a part of Techstar still. That's correct. Awesome, man. That's awesome. What about the main differences that you, you know, uh, experience between some of the startups, a part of Techstars us and Techstars London, and maybe, um, some of the startups you're running into now. Yeah. So first of all, I don't usually wear a suit. So let me just kind of correct that. Most of the startup, it's not a London thing. Most of the oh, I thought it was most... a pop smoke, dude. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> London, London's still very much a startup cult, uh, kind of a t-shirt culture, but oh, okay. uh, I'm heading to see the U.S. ambassador tonight. So I figured I might dress up for him. Sure. Um, so in terms of the culture, right? So I worked in the New York office before I came to London. And I think one, the star culture is a little bit more developed uh, over there. So what I mean by that is people are very open to intros, right? You go to somebody, you say, hey, you know, I'd love to meet someone in this space. And, um, and this particular entrepreneur, most people will say, yeah, I'll connect you with one or two other entrepreneurs or whoever you want. Here, it's a little bit slower. It's starting to become that type of culture. Um, but in the beginning, people didn't want to open up their... Is it a trust of- thing? Like, and, um, That's a good question. I think it's... Here, it's um, the community is smaller, right? So the people that do startups are, are a very, very tight community. And so people didn't want to let people in initially. I think that's changed right now because there's so much new blood coming into, into the um, kind of startup ecosystem. So there's not a lot of, um, of co-working spaces like a 1776 or a Techstars or a lot of the, the collabs that we experience here in the U.S. over there? No, it's getting a lot bigger now. So okay. WeWork is here. Uh, WeWork has, I think, five, six offices now. They're, they're going to expand. Um, so it's getting a lot better. There's another one called Central Working. Um, I'm here at uh, Digital Catapult. So there are quite a bit now. Um, so in terms of like kind of lo- all the logistical stuff, right, like co-working spaces, accelerators, VC funds, they're all here. But it was really kind of the cultural thing that was different. Um, I think now that there's so much new blood, um, you know, the culture is definitely changing. Um, and we're just waiting for exits, right? I mean, if, if there's an exit, everyone benefits, the entrepreneurs, the VCs, the angels. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for. Got it. What about uh, one of the most interesting companies that you came across out there in Techstars? If you can share with us their short pitch yep. and what you liked about them so much. Cool. Um you know, my time here, I'll, you know, I've, I've got, I'll just say who my favorite company is, regardless of whether it's Texas or not. Okay. Um, there's a really cool startup called that. It's probably not as big in the U.S. So TransferWise is essentially. What was it again? My, I think we came in and out a little bit there. Yeah. TransferWise? 
Okay. So T-R-A-N-S-F-E-R-W-I-S-E. So basically it's money exchange. If I need to exchange British pounds, US dollars, US dollars to, to, to euros, whatever it may be. So it's a lot more common here in Europe, right? Where you have to transfer currency. And what's clever about it is traditionally you've had to transfer through a bank and the bank will charge you know, $15 plus a transfer fee. Here, what they do is the money never actually leaves the country. So the money actually, so let's say U.S. dollars and British pounds. Okay. U.S. dollars stays within um, the banks within the U.S. And the British pounds stays within all the banks in British pounds. And what they do is they say, someone wants to transfer U.S. dollars to British pounds. They find someone that don't want to go from British pounds to U.S. dollars. And they just add and subtract from the local. Got it. Uh, local accounts um and that's innovative because the thing is now the transfer fees are lower the exchange fees are lower and the thing is money doesn't actually ever cross the oceans which is the biggest thing in in financial regulations is money transferring from bank to bank because it could be money laundering and, and sure. all types of, uh, of of bad things um and they're making so, a month and they're making what's their business model then off the transaction still just lower exactly uh, off the transaction, but much lower. So I think it's I think it's like a one pound fifty, a dollar fifty, a buck fifty fee plus a little bit of an exchange fee, but it's not it's not tiny. What they're trying to do is volume, sure, rather than each individual sure. transaction. Um, so that's been that's been great because I've got so much U.S. dollar stuff, I have so much you know British pound stuff. And I'm traveling into Europe and need euros, so it's really really convenient here. Cool. All right, at Techstars uh, Patriot Bootcamp, you said that you had uh, two failed uh, ventures. I don't know if you want to call them failed or you know how you classify them. Failed is them. good. Okay. Failed is good. What would you say that you would like to share with the listener on the main thing that you learned from each of those ventures? Yeah, so I'm going to call out Richard here. Um, Richard Lau, who is actually part of Patriot Bootcamp, uh, the first one that I was at. And uh, he was the CTO of my second venture. Uh, and he's been an incredible guy. He's been an incredible friend. And I just want to call him out to recognize the fact that he's the one that helped me through the second startup. And he's the one that encouraged me to work with Techstars. Um, so, you know, backwards first, the second, second failed startup, you know, you just need to learn how to build fast. You need to have a good business model. You need to raise uh, funds for it. So the second startup was a platform for digital books. The problem with digital books is the fact that there's only four or five publishers in the world that carry all this content. And basically what we wanted to do was have all the long tail content plus what these publishers had and put them in a marketplace. And um, in some ways free books as if they were free kind of music, right? So now you have so many different uh, music apps and platforms and music is relatively easy to buy and sell. Books are not. Books are not the same way. Um, Who are the big players in that space? Um, I want to say probably Amazon, sure. Amazon and Apple, right? Those are the two big incumbents. And what we re really didn't realize is, um, one, the, the reading behavior is slightly different. So the market size is always going to be small because the thing is music, you can be a passive listener to music, right? You don't have to be actively listening because of that. The market is huge. Reading is fundamentally different, right? You are actively reading that's a right? good You're point actively doing it so the market is actually that much smaller um so i feel like get, it's still big though <laughs> it, it's so big but it's not it's not the same size it's not the same size as music sure 
the second thing is because there's only four or five publishers that really control the content. You have to get either one of them on board. So you either have to partner with them and get them on board, or you have to get a long tail of all the content. In order to get to do either of them, you have to raise a lot of, you have to raise a lot of money. And we just couldn't raise fast enough to do that. So that was kind of the tricky issue of the second one. We said, look, we're not going to be able to raise as much as we want. Let's not do this. Um, the first app was something kind of like a get pocket. Um, and it was a get pocket, but for travel. So basically you could read, let's say, you know, New York Times article or something that says, hey, London is awesome. These are the five things you need to do in London. So the app will be able to scan the document and say, these five things are actually locations. And they'll pin the location to a map so that when you want to go to London, you'll have these five things. Because we noticed that in our own travel, we're like, hey, we want to go to Paris. Let's save this article. And these five suggestions. And when we try to find the article, we can't. And two, when we're trying to plan the travel, we're like, where are all these five places? We should find a hotel that's close to them or not. And we found it very frustrating. What we learned there was, if you want to build a consumer product, you have to build fast. That's it. Right? There's no other kind of solution to it. And we just couldn't build fast enough. And that was it. The second thing we learned is don't, uh, don't try not to outsource your tech. Right? It's very easy. You know, when you're first building your app, you want to outsource your tech because it's easier. It's, uh, it's, it's cheaper. Were you guys try developing on mobile first? Uh, we were, no, on web app. Okay. Web app. What, Ruby on Rails or? It was, no, it was PHP actually. Old okay. school. Um, but still, don't outsource. If you can, if you can't help it, don't outsource. And you know the reason why? Because of the challenges to communicate and the, the lag in time? No. No, you want to get, give another guess? The cost? No. It's basically, if you and I are building something and we're a team, let's say you're the CTO, like we'll build a couple of things, we'll fail, we'll understand what are the things that we should have done and what are the things we, we Oh, we the should. lessons learned carrying over. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now that you're putts off, right? You're the developer. You putts off to another contract. Sure. You've learned everything and you've gone somewhere else. As a team. Sure. Right? As a team, I don't have any of these lessons because yeah. you're already putts off. So that's the biggest thing. Don't ever try to outsource if you can. Hey, do you think that's still applicable with the some of the tools out there now, like uh, Asana and Slack, where we're really capturing a lot of the communications in the project management tools? With I've, the project management tools? Yeah, I think I think you make a good argument. I think there's definitely a lot more learnings that way that you can still capture. But it's... Um, a lot of the intangibles. Yeah, and when you're developing product, right? I mean, the CTO is, or the lead developer, whoever it may be, is super, super critical. And you can you can say, look, we, we know how to work because we've captured it on Asana and Trello, whatever it may be. But it's the actual code. It's the pace it's the relationship it's me saying to you hey you better hurry up i need you to do something sure. you're kind of giving me feedback others saying look don't hurry me up because you you know this can't be hurried up or that type of relationship building that gets lost yeah that's a good point that takes a while to to build oh totally totally sure. what about a topic or space that interests you right now the um you know what I, i'm you know, I'm drawn to ambitious startups. Um, so obviously, the stuff at Tesla, I think, is super, super interesting. 
Um, not from a vehicle perspective, from, from a power perspective and power storage perspective. I think that's really interesting. Um, I love ag tech, agriculture technology, um, because look, I think there are serious um, issues on how in the next 20, 30 years, how food will be produced, sure. how food will be distributed, how food will be stored, how food will be consumed. Um, so there's a Korean company that's really cool because they basically want to do the big data play for planting stuff and, and using that beta, big data to uh, improve urban, actually urban growing, right? So instead of actually growing out in the farmlands and importing, um, distributing the food into the growing city. Growing it on actually, the rooftops. That's right, exactly. Um, Solian is another one as well. So it's powdered food. You get you basically day, uh, days full of calories and nutrients in a powder form. I so would be highly interested in that. I mean, yeah, from saving, I remember talking to you about that actually, yeah. just saving time and you know. Yeah. But think about it, it's saving time. So it's right now the cost is I don't I don't think it's gone down. I think it's like ten bucks or something like that. So it hasn't really gone down. But if you think about it, right, like no longer do you have to. You know, it's inefficient to to find let's just say find a cow, sure, you know, split a cow yeah. up. You know, and then and then be able to distribute that cow and keep it fresh. With Solian, you have all the calories, but be able to store that forever and ship it wherever. And it makes so much more sense. You know, the the big issue I think with agricultural technology is really people. Right? You and me, you know, I think we'll be because we embrace technology and innovation, I think we'll love to have that. But think about everyone that hasn't grown up with beef, right? Didn't have the privilege of having those type of things. And there's a lot of economies in the world that are like that. You know, are they willing to give up, say, you know, moving up the chain and say, hey, I want beef and whatever to powder form food? I don't know. And that's going to be the tricky issue. Yeah, that's interesting. What about a challenge you're experiencing right now in life or business? Um. You know, the biggest thing, I think the biggest challenge right now was probably, um, if I really think about it, um, is really, um, you know, the move, right? The move to, to Hong Kong. It's a, it's a big change, right? I've never actually worked in Hong Kong. Um, so it's kind of moving into a different environment uh, professionally. It's moving an environment that I have some familiarity with because I am from there. And I went back every single year as a tourist. But it's still nonetheless very different. And so, you know, I just had a really great session with a mentor of mine. And, um, you know, it's, it's being able to embrace, I think, that change, um, being able to know what's most important when you're doing that change, right? So everything will change, but really keep grounded the things that are most important, like family. And as long as you take care of that, the change will happen and everything will be okay. Got it. So like, it sounds like with that change, you have a ton on your plate, like just trying to get into the, you know, back in the groove of things. What is something that you wish you can delegate more or, you know, what's something that you wish you can delegate and in general that you definitely recommend future founders yeah. know how to delegate, like what's something that they should definitely get off their plate? Yep, uh, I've got a framework for that. Um, so either do it yourself, you delegate, or you don't do it. So, so that's a framework I approach almost every task, right? And there's very little things that I don't do or I ignore. So 
then I try to delegate most, let's say 90% of the stuff and 10% of the stuff I actually do it myself. Okay. So I ruthlessly try to delegate. Now you can ask, okay, what, what should you delegate? And I think it's dependent on every, everyone's position, everyone's job. I think the framework to think about is as a leader, what are the two, three things that you need to be responsible for? And Brian Chesky from Airbnb had a really good article, I think on Fortune about two weeks ago. There's a few things he cares about. Product, I think leading. Fundraising, not fundraising. Uh, no, no, it was, I think brand, it was definitely product. I think it was brand and I think it was like team or oh, something. Oh, I think I read that. Um, yeah. Or are you sure you're not talking about the Uber article? Nope. There was an no. article with the Uber guy on what he focuses on and he focuses okay. on prices Right. Like the pricing. Yep. And I forgot the other ones. I'll put it in the show notes though. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check it out in my Twitter feed. And I think it's different for every business and sure. every leader, right? But the most important, the framework is know the two or three things that you, you are responsible for. Those are the things that you do yourself. And then 90% of the, the rest of the stuff delegated out. Got it. So what would you, what's something that you wish that you want to delegate or is it is it too continuous to actually answer that no not at all i mean i pretty much delegate almost everything the only thing that i haven't delegated recently is um you know think about asia think about what to do in asia uh but pretty much delegated almost anything else so i have like i yeah delegated almost anything else whether it's like speaking whether it's um putting up Putting on notes or putting up slides for speeches. How do you delegate your voice? Oh, that's true. <laughs> I wish I wish I could delegate that. Uh, but the slides, making the slides. Yeah. Present no, I got you, so, man. Yeah, these cool. are things you can delegate. All right, hey, special shout out to Rally Point for partnering with Pop Smoke. At Rally Point, you can join military members and veterans interested in military transition. So you can share your knowledge and build your network at rallypoint.com. All right, hey, Taclo, what do you love most about being an entrepreneur? You know, that's, man, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, there's a couple of things. The, the top of the, my mind is. Um, like, um, to buy you to, some time, like, I remember Nick Bacham, founder okay. of Two Marines Moving, he said he loves to, to create and to build things. Other people, it's about, you know, helping or, or some people it's about money. Like everyone I'm noticing by, you know, being 37 interviews in, yeah. everyone has their different motivations right. on what they really love because, you know, once you have money, you find a lot of, a lot of people don't do it for the money. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm just asking you, what do you love yeah. most about yeah. what you do? Yeah, the reason why I'm thinking a little bit is because there are different motivations, and I'm trying to get to the one thing that sure. I find most compelling. I think the thing is, you know, the reason why I, I so I've done a lot of different things, right? So I was I was in the military, I was in the U.S. Army, stationed in Korea, came back out, uh, so so went out, joined a consulting firm. I was in D.C. Beltway Bandit, went to business school and did investment banking in the in the summer. And then having done all three things, right? I was like, the one thing that I really enjoyed out of those three different careers, what I really enjoyed most was being in the military. And being in the military, there was a real sense of 
mission. There's a real sense of purpose of what you're trying to do and that I didn't find in any other career. And I think if you ask me that question, I will say it's the fact that in entrepreneurship, you have a mission. It's survival, right? You got to make your startup survive, right? And you have, there's a real mission and everyone pulls up to a certain point, right? After you get to a certain scale, obviously it's, it's, it's not as mission critical. Things aren't as mission critical, but when you're small, everything's mission critical. Everything has a purpose. Everyone drives towards a purpose. There's as little ego as you can get, I think, in a, in a team. And that's kind of what I like about it. That's I what like I like that. about entrepreneurship. I like that. I recently read on, on a side little note on someone's Twitter, it said that the main job of a startup is to not run out of money. And just like how everyone is so focused, like talking about survival, mm-hmm. Just like the main thing is, you know, to not run out of money. And if you don't run out of money, it's okay because you'll figure it out. Like, you know, you'll have the eventually your team and, you know, you'll figure out, you know, what you want to do or you'll change courses together. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just a little side yeah, note. Yeah. No, Fred Wilson, and that's a good point. Fred Wilson has written a blog post about this. Like, what are the duties? What are the responsibilities of a CEO? And one of them is, is, you know, making sure you don't run out of money. The other one is building a team and retaining a team. And I forgot to, there was five things, but we'll put it the in the show notes. Thing. Yeah, put it in there. But the, I think the most important one or the highest one was fundraising yeah. to your point, right? As long as you can survive, you can figure it out. Cool. What would you say your greatest strength is? I think the, my greatest strength is probably empathy. So like Oprah? Yeah. Without the hair. Uh, I think it's probably empathy. It's probably being able to listen well um, and then be able to act when I need to. Um, but I listen a lot more than, than I act. I'm actually quite, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm good at. I like that. Yeah, that is, um, you know, I, if you... I mean, I'm a host, so I, I study a lot of hosts and, you know, um, whether it's talk show, podcasters, and that's one of the most important things for a host is mm-hmm. empathy and being able to listen to people. So, you know, that is actually, you know, true with Oprah. Her greatest strength is her ability to, you know, just walk in other people's shoes, even as she grew to be so successful, she still stayed grounded and had empathy for, you know, her audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you, what you'll find is also the best VCs. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm one of the best, but um, I've seen a lot of VCs, great VCs in action. And the one, the one thing they have is empathy. They can understand what it's like to be the entrepreneur. They give advice in not a judgmental way. Um, they're patient. Uh, it's kind of like having kids. It's kind of like taking a step back and knowing that the kid's, kid's going to fall. The kid's going to make a mistake. You can't, you know, you can't slap the kid. You can't say, "Hey, what's wrong with you?" You could, <laughs> but you got, you got to let, you know, you got to let the company or the kid kind of find their own way, right? Sure. Um, and so I, I find a lot of VCs, great VCs, are also parents as well because they have that patience. I like that. What about your favorite VC that you've experienced, Kate? Yeah, the last couple of um, VCs that I've talked to have been absolutely fantastic here. Um, Daniel Waterhouse from Bulletin in, in London is absolutely fantastic. Um, I was just actually had a conversation with, um, he's not a VC, Michelle Cassius 
Um, he's an entrepreneur, ex-Apple guy, ex-Microsoft, but I really have to call him out because um, empathy, right? We were talking about kids, family, uh, business, how business intersects or shouldn't or should or shouldn't intersect um, with business. Um, cool. Talking about moves and how to make the right moves and how to have the right strategies in life. Um, and that was really, really, really helpful. Cool. Now, staying on the, you know, the reflection, self-reflection questions, what about yeah. your favorite thing to do in the world? You said you're, a, you know, I read that you're a triathlete. Yeah. Um, is it the startup? Is it something with the startup? Is it yeah. something with the family? You know, yeah. is it, what's your favorite thing to do yeah. in the world? You know, my favorite thing to do is actually having dinner, a quiet dinner. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy that like, you know, I work a ton. I've been up since seven. Um, tomorrow I'm going to be up set at seven. I have an Asian call at seven and then I'll be traveling constantly. Last Friday I did a, a one day trip to Paris. So I'm a machine in terms of work. But the one thing that I love looking forward to is having a quiet dinner. I have a glass of wine, good food. Like I'll have shitty. Can I swear on this show? Yeah. All right. We, we, cur we curse on this show. Oh, that's perfect. So I'll have a, sh have a shitty lunch. I just had a shitty lunch, which is fine. I hate sandwiches, but I'll have a shitty lunch because I have to do what I have to do. But dinner, something good, you know, a glass of wine, yeah. and just chill out. That Does your is... wife do the cooking? No, I love to do the cooking. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't well, delegated that? No, you know why? There's a certain kind of ceremony, right? It's like shining your boots. Well, I used to love shining my boots. Yeah, you right? take a pride in it. Yeah, right? You, you take your time. There's a certain methodology to it. You just kind of get into the Zen mode, right? right? Yeah, so I, I love that. I and mess up breakfast, man, so I'm all about delegating that. Oh, you, okay, fine. <laughs> you got to learn to cook some eggs. It's not that hard. No, I know. <laughs> but, uh, all right, hey, you know, we talked about your favorite thing to do in the world. What about your definition of success? The, I think success, so success for me means um, a couple of things. I think one is making an impact every, each and every day in, in the people that I interact with and being fully in the present. That for me is success. Um, it also means that I, I make money. Uh, that for me is important as well. Um, that way I can provide for my family. But no specific dollar amount. Yeah. No, I used to play around with that, um, and I think it's 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 one of those things that is tricky because if you don't do it, or if you pursue it, it gets a little bit too much, right? Um, so being in the moment, contributing every, adding value every single day, um, and and thinking about wealth, right? Thinking about how do I want to maximize that? Um, those are the two my two top things. Um, I like that. The two top things. I like that. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting question. I look forward to asking that um, question more because I feel like a lot of people are going to have different answers. It seems like a a basic question, but it catches people a little bit off guard on mm -hmm. you know like what what is success for me? And I think um you know for me it's always about um, striving to achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're you know it's being content where you are, but yeah. still striving to achieve a goal. Uh, yeah, that somewhere is in the definition for me. I haven't, you know, per, you know, perfected it or nailed it down myself, but that's somewhere in there. 
You know, I, I guess that's a great question. And I ask that a lot as well. I ask something different. I ask what is winning? Um, and I, I like to use winning because I feel winning is a little bit more loose. Yeah, I like um, that. I might yeah. steal that. Now go ahead and steal it. You're gonna if you if you use it though, you're gonna have to say every single time you ask that <laughs> question, you have to say where it came from. Um, but because... I, I like I like the word winning because it's loose. And I to your point, right? Like striving, I think that's what separates winners and losers. So I did a I did a 10k this past weekend, and I remember, like, it, I was gonna take it easy. I was running with my friend. I was gonna take it easy. The last 2k, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. You know, I've ran 8K. I'm going to start beating people. Sure. I'm going to, you know, what? I, I can't just not sit back and, and, and not try to win. I didn't win. I was far from winning, but I at least tried. And so I started zooming past people. And I think it was, I kind of like, I think I kind of pissed a couple people off because, you know, they thought they were probably going to be ranked higher. And then I come zooming in, you know, and, and so it kind of made me think, right? I was going to write a blog post about this, you know, winners and losers, um, I think the definition of winners and losers is not the fact that you've, the definition of winners and the fact that you actually won. The definition of a winner is I think someone that actually tried to win. And I think that's the most important thing. And if you have a winning mentality, you try to win, you are a winner. I, I love that. Yeah. To me and to, you know, to pick, to circle back on the, the favorite thing in the world, you know, to do. Uh, for me, doing some self-reflection is about competing. Mm -hmm. Like at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you know, I wrestled for more than 17 years. Um, I'm just competitive. Like yep. there's no dollar amount. There's no like, you know, I, I don't know. It's just straight like competition. And I think yep. that's what separates the entrepreneurs that, you know, persevere and make it. And the ones that don't is like. Mm -hmm. You know, because once you reach a certain point, it there's still that, you know, that dollar amount you you've like, you know, made it or whatever you want to call it. The entrepreneurs that still crush it are the ones that still love to compete. Like Anthony Popliano at Techstars hit on this, like you know, just fucking win. Mm. You know, so it's just like a a hunger for me at least. It's a hunger to compete. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's it's the process of trying to get better every single day. And I like how you say, right? It's not the dollar amount because the dollar amount can change or the number your time on a triathlon can change or, or the number of employees can change or whatever it may be, right? But to get better every single day, that's what separates winners and losers. Hey, so working so much though, how do you, how do you know if you're on the brink of burning out and what do you do to prevent it? Yeah, I don't, I don't burn out. Uh, so I think the only kind of advice I have is um, to prevent it is know that it's, I have this marathon mentality. Like I know it's going to, it's everything that I do is going to take a long time. So um, I don't know, be, try to be self-aware, right? So like my wife, if she doesn't eat, she gets cranky, right? So knowing that, right? Like if you don't eat or you don't take care of yourself, take care of yourself, right? Yeah. If you don't exercise, you're going to be cranky, whatever it may be. Take care of that basic stuff, that basic shit, and then um, kind of start building from there, right? I can, I don't have to eat all day, and I'm fine with that. So I don't eat, and then I just work. But I need to sleep, 
right? I, I do need to sleep, so I make sure that I sleep, right? So it's just taking care of that stuff and knowing your own rhythm. Um, and I think the best way to do is, you know, what Tim Ferriss does, right? He hacks, right? He tries different things. You know, I've tried not sleeping for a couple of days, seeing how I react to that. I've tried not eating the entire day and seeing how I react to that. And so you got to try different things to know yourself, right? How can you tell, like, is there something that you can tell that your, your performance is off? Is it your focus or the way you communicate or maybe just yeah. a little pep in your step that you can tell that you need to recalibrate? Yeah, that's a good, great question. For me, I think it's different for everybody. For me, um, it's, uh, it's when I lose focus. Um, I rarely, rarely, rarely lose focus. I'm usually very much in the present. But when I lose focus, um, you know, I, I try to refocus and say, look, get back. Right. Get back to the moment, right? Get back to the moment. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about yesterday. Get back in the moment. Um, that's the that's that's kind of what I do. For me, it's just focus. I have a feeling you you read uh, Zen Habits a lot. <laughs> do you read the Zen Habits, L I, Lua Babauta? <laughs> no. So I, but I used to read a lot of, like philosophy stuff. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, I'm pretty Zen about about different things. Cool. Yeah. All right. Hey, I'm gonna dive into some scenario questions. Um, say you were on Donald Trump's apprentice. Okay. All and right. Trump tasked you with creating and hosting your own podcast. Okay. What would your podcast be about? It would be very much about experts from every field and me interviewing kind of like Tim Ferriss, but I think I like to think a little bit more interesting. Um, I love dissecting how people think. I love understanding different microcultures, right? Um, I love talking to shoe shiners and the best. Hey, say and, that again. We lost you that last sentence. Yeah. Uh, best shoe shiners in the world. And I can tell you the best shoe shiners in the world are from Hong Kong. There's a real kind of respect for the craft. They can tell me the cotton balls that they use and they soak it in water. They put it one big cotton ball and they start kind of peeling different uh, pieces and just tell me about different techniques. I find it fascinating um, to hear stories and from experts, from, yeah, experts um, of just whatever field, right? Whatever, whether you're a cook, whether you're a street cleaner, whether you're the best damn garbage person, yeah. something that makes you good, right? I like that. And that, that I love, I love, I've studied with, you know, famous martial artists. Uh, I've talked to the best shoe shiners in the world. And that's what I love. I really, really respect people who have a respect for the craft. I like that answer. What about if you can have lunch with anyone in the world? Who would it be? And what would you ask them? Dead or alive? Alive. We're going to go alive. Oh. And if, because okay. dead is hard, dead is yeah, hard. Yeah, dead is a bit hard. Uh, not saying we don't ask hard questions on the pop smoke, but you know, just like well, I'm trying to keep it moving for the listener, for the yeah, listener out there. If it's dead, it might be Jesus, but sure. Uh, um, if it's alive, it's alive, you know, it's alive. It's alive. You know, I think probably someone like a Tim Ferriss, you know, I, I appreciate really? conversations. Yeah. I appreciate conversations with people and drinks with people that, what I like to call multiple layers of intelligence. So they're intelligent in so many different things. You can have conversations with almost anything because they've seen almost everything. 
Um, so Warren Buffett, I think, has multiple layers of intelligence. Um, his co-founder, Charles Munson, I believe, is actually, Warren says, Charlie Munson is, is even more intelligent than he is. Um, what are some of the things that Buffett's diverse in? I thought he was pretty one-dimensional. No, no, he reads a ton. He oh, says okay. spends most of his time just reading. I know uh, he drinks a lot of uh, cherry cokes. That's right. So I, we wouldn't talk about coke because I don't drink coke. Yeah, me neither. Um, Man, he drinks but, so many though. Like, yeah, he drinks a ton. Um, you know, David Petraeus, General David Petraeus. I would love to have a conversation with him. Um, General Stanley McChrystal, awesome guy. There's a fantastic book by Colonel Pete Blabber. I don't know if you guys. It's called Mission Men and Me. It's probably by far. So Pete Blabber was the ex. Special Force, uh, I think U.S. U.S. SOCOM commander, um, but he led a SOCOM unit, and his book just describes just how Special Forces, the, those guys, think about the world, and it's tremendously smart. So, you know, people that are smart but not one-dimensionally smart sure. in multiple ways, those are the type of people that I really want to talk to. How do Special Forces guys think about the world? Um, read the book. The, <laughs> there were a couple different, there were a couple different scenarios. It was like, there was one scenario where they were talking about the fact that, um, ah, let the, let the situation develop, right? Oftentimes when you're in kind of a, a, a time sensitive situation, you want to just make a decision right now. And they had a saying, which was let the situation develop. Sometimes you just got to let, let time go and really slow things down. And I think that was a really great scenario um, in business, right? Sometimes people force you to say, you have to make a decision now. Investors say, you have to accept my term sheet or that's it. You oftentimes have more time than you think. So slow it down, run the game clock, and, and take your time because the more, as time passes, you get more information. Sure. And more information allows you to make better decisions. Yeah, 50 Cent says something similar to that. You know, when it comes to negotiating, he says that he can walk away from any deal. Okay. So with that mindset and that mentality, you yeah. know, if you can walk away from any deal, that gives you leverage, you know, and it goes hand in hand with the time, I think. You know, if you can, you know, there's nothing that absolutely, nine times out of ten, something doesn't have to be done yeah. you know, with a date, like all the deadlines that we impose on ourselves are, you know, self-made. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even look, and even if, you know, even if there's an external force that says you have to have this done by this, you could always ask, can I get a, sure. get a later deadline? Or you can say, look, I've got another, let's say you've got another bid, right? Another uh, VC coming knocking down your door to say, look, I'm going to give you another term sheet. You say, look, there's another VC. Can I have some time to think more about this sure. offer that I have? Create time. Create time. You know, the best, I forgot who wrote about this, the best sports players, although always the ones during crunch time, slow things down. Sure. Right? And you just kind of see it. They're the ones that are a little bit slower, kind of see what goes on, a little bit more relaxed than everybody else sure. during crunch time. They're creating time. They're slowing things down. Yeah, that's a great – I love that analogy. That's a great point because I'm watching the World Series now. Okay. And yep. the batters, you know, with everything going on, 
you yep. can really see them locked in yep. and it's it's like the game slows down for them yeah yeah you can see it right lebron is the same way right everything slows down a little bit more he makes the right decision poker is the same way sure right you poker you just want more hands you want to see the next next card next card next card yeah. if you can so you can have more information about especially what to do. if you get 27 you know you just want the next one you want the next one <laughs> But sometimes wanna... to be present and, you know, just accept that you got the 2-7 and, you know, just fold it but stay present. Maybe yeah. you'll get pocket rockets next. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But you got to pay to play, right? You got to keep on paying in sure. order to stay, to, stay uh, to, to keep on having the information. Hey, what about someone, you know, you touched on a lot of your mentors and people that you liked, either read, listened, and learned from. Who would you say you learned the most from? within the last couple of years and that you would like to thank right here on the show? That's a great question. Um, I'd love to thank my, my last MD, uh, John Bradford. Uh, he was, um, so he, he and he and I kind of started the London program. He was the managing director here and I initially hated the guy, you know, they <laughs> Frank, um, uh, you know, you're either on my shit list or you're off my shit list. And he was definitely on the shit list in the beginning. Um, but I've, I've uh, you know, I, I gained a lot of respect about what he does and how he does certain things. And I, you know, I started analyzing, understanding how he thought about the world. And I think that's, I learned a lot through that process. Um, so John Bradford is definitely someone I would thank. Cool. Sure. He'd appreciate that. Shout out. Does he listen he to podcasts? Do you think? I, I'll send it over to him. <laughs> no. All right. Hey, what about, um, what about a great habit you're doing right now? Something that you do on a consistent basis that you're proud of? Oh, the triathlon by far. Doing triathlons. Changed How often my life. do you train for that? I train pretty much almost every, every other day. Really? Right? Wow. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the mentality, I was just talking to my uh, training partner uh, this past Sunday about how it's, because we only started triathlons this year, right? And so uh, we were just talking about, we started the first triathlon together and we just ended the, the, the 10K together. So kind of, you know, the season, what it has taught us, um, you know, it's about being patient, right? Like we, he was a, not a strong swimmer uh, in the beginning, you could barely swim, but being kind of devoted to your craft and making sure that you want to work on this and putting in the time in the gym makes a huge difference. You're a wrestler. You understand that as well. You got to put the time in the gym. Um, yeah, I understand the the swimming is a weakness part. Yeah, yeah. being an aqua rock, <laughs> you're just like a rock and just sink. Um, but you know, just perfecting your craft, right? The patience. Sure. The other thing is like, look, life is a triathlon. Life is a marathon, right? There are no shortcuts. You just got in every single step could hurt, right? Like the last event that we did, man, I thought my hand, I thought my thigh muscles were gonna. Break out my skin. Yeah, it was hurt like the dickens. But you just got it. You just got every single step. You just got to do it, right? You just got to, and you just think, well, the pain's going to either go away, or I, this is literally what I was thinking. If my muscles explode, great, right? If it doesn't, great. You know, what are you going to do about it? Sure. You still have to run, right? Yeah. And so just understanding that the discipline and understanding that there is going to be pain has been a tremendous thing. You know, just knowing that you just have to continue and there could be pain every single step, but look, you still have to get the job done, right? Um, so try, you know, running triathlons have been awesome. Awesome. Have you heard of David Goggins? 
No. He's an is ultra, he an author? He's an ultra marathoner. Yeah. He's a uh, part of a uh, he was a Navy SEAL. Okay. And um he runs ultra marathons to raise money for the either the Navy SEAL Foundation or one of the foundations that um he started or is a part of. But um do well, first question, what what would you what's your strength out of the triathlon part? And the second question is, um, do you have an interest in like running marathons or or ultra marathons even? No, so I'm more of a triathlon guy. I, I do like have, having the three events. Um the weakest my weakest is definitely the swim. Sure. And so I, I like I like that because I still have something to improve. Um my next goal is probably to do a half Ironman. Okay. Uh, I'd love to do an Ironman at some point. I'm going to post in the show notes some motivation for you uh, for, okay. for David Goggins because that guy okay. is straight motivating. Um, but, yeah, I'll post that in the show notes for That'd you. That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah, I, I need some motivation. I what need a, a can of motivation <laughs> right here, right now. It's like um, I think it's people say, why do you keep feeding motivation? And it's yeah. motivation's like – like showering you know it's something that you need all the time like you know when someone asks me like hey why do you keep like motivating or you know why do i need this motivation it's like showering you know you gotta keep feeding yourself with it yeah you know i don't think i don't i usually don't need it i don't know why i i I think you, you make a good point i think there's some people that do it for some reason i don't know I think, you know, I've thought about this. I think a lot of it is because I'm doing work that I really, really love. Um, and I really enjoy what I do. And that's motivating. Sure. Like I've, I've never, honestly, I've never, in the two years that I've been at Techstars, two and a half years, I've never actually said I need to be pumped up. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just a different, it's like how we're actually looking at motivation. Like for yeah. you, that motivates you. If you didn't have that if you weren't doing what you love yeah you would need motivation like you would need that's that true. that's true yeah. yeah that's why i think it's really important to do what you love right because then you just that's motivating yourself and you get out of like for me the meta motivation is it's to measure motivation is like how willing are you willing to get out of bed sure and there were periods in my life when i didn't want to get out of bed sure um but that hasn't happened since three years four years cool that's awesome, man. What about your favorite app, software, or tool you love using right now? I call these weapons. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Isn't the question weapons? Um, I, I said Ninja Stars <laughs> initially. Uh, my favorite app. Let's take a look. Yeah, what do you got? What's the last app you downloaded? And like, what, what's your favorite favorite yeah. app that you use? I just downloaded something called Trainline, which is kind of what you need here in England. Um, you know, to... Um, to have all your train tickets. Um, all right, I use City Mapper a lot. City Mapper, C I T Y M A P P E R. That's your favorite, and that helps you get around. It helps me get around. It's basically it's like Google Maps, um, but worldwide. But for cities, and re- what I like about it is that it shows you the best way to get from point A to B. So in London, there's like five different transportation stuff. Right? There's bus, there's cab. There's That's similar. Two. Have you heard of Ride Scout? No. In the U.S., that's very similar to Ride Scout. That's a veteran-founded startup by Craig. Craig, I don't know okay. his last name. I forgot his okay. last name. It's slipping my mind, but it sounds very similar. Um, cool. They're a 1776 startup. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. it could be. I don't know Ride Scout, uh, but City Mavericks literally saved me so much time. I was in Lisbon last week and I didn't know how to get around. City Mavericks showed me how to get around. So, yeah, cool. that's kind of that's kind of my uh, my favorite. What about your favorite read, and what's one takeaway you like to share with the listener? Oof, favorite read. Um, the last read. Uh, the last book I was, oh, the last book I read that I really, really enjoyed, um, Give and Take was pretty good. Give and Take by a Wharton professor called Adam Grant. And it's really about like givers. It's, it's, give first the tech stars philosophy. It is. Um, but what Adam was trying to prove that, so what Adam was trying to prove was that givers actually end up, um, being further in life because they are, you're more giving and there's a lot of stuff that comes but how do you balance takers in life right and so it's a it's a spectrum you can't always give sometimes you do have to take sure um and as someone that you know that does give a lot um you know uh, you need to balance it out and it's really kind of figuring out how to balance taking as well as giving which i thought i don't i need awesome well audible.com is going to give you a free uh, audible book, you know, audio book, and you can download my pick for today's episode or choose from more than 150,000 titles. If you can, if you go to popsmoke.net forward slash free book and you can download, uh, there's unbroken by Lauren Hillenbrand. There's the lean startup, um, by Eric Reese, Steve jobs, Steve jobs is, uh, by Walter Isaac, the war of the art tribes, how Google works, tons of awesome books. You can go to popsmoke.net forward slash free book to download your free audio book. I had to go. I had to leave. I had to pop smoke. Oh, okay. And hey, if you can just leave us with your favorite quote that you live and swear by and you can take us home with some motivation. I would just say mission, men, and me. Always focus on that. What's the mission? Take care of the people around you and then focus on yourself. So that's the last thing. Awesome. Hey, how can the listener find out more about you, Tack? Uh, check out my blog, tacklow.co. Um, feel free to send me an email. It's just tack at tacklow.co. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate your time. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Tack. Yeah. Thank you. Later. Cheers.